Thank you, guys. Be turning to the book of Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And we'll begin in verse 13. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. If you mark in your Bible, of sometimes people will mark particular dates and preachers of when uh, uh, sermons were preached. You'll see that we've looked here several times. Uh, this is a comfortable place for me to come. Uh, on the evening after uh, Easter morning. Uh, this is a familiar place. And I like this passage of Scripture. There's nothing wrong with going to a familiar passage of Scripture. We do that with songs all the time, don't we? Uh, there's some things to be learning from this passage of Scripture. Uh, years ago, back in 1928, a young man, he was just 20 years old, wrote a song. This man's name is Robert, I believe that was his first name. Last name is McCrossman. Had a wife named Marguerite. And uh, the McCrossmans started, he was the director of what was called a uh, World Victory Organization, I believe that's the name. And it was like the, uh, the Cadence uh, International Hospitality House that we sponsor up in Alaska. And through the Korean War, World War II, Korean War, and Vietnam, service members in strange cities could find these hospitality houses, and they would find a place of comfort. And, of course, the gospel was presented. And McCrossman, in an interview, uh, later in life, said tens of thousands of people came to know the Lord and accepted Christ because of the ministry. Well, he wrote a song. He wrote a song that anybody who's ever sung in a quartet has sung this song, On the Jericho Road. You know the song. Now, song is an old favorite, but why would anybody want to go on that road? You see, the scriptures say, On the Jericho Road where the man fell among robbers. It was a pretty dangerous place to be. But I think I'd rather be on this road, the road to Emmaus. And I'll tell you why as we get into the story. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Now behold, two men of them that were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed in reason, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things have happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us 
when they did not find his body. They came saying they'd also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for history. We thank you for things told as they really were. And Father, we thank you for these men who are so much like we are. And Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his resurrection. We thank you that he walked along with him. We thank you that he'll walk along with us. We ask as we look at this passage of scripture tonight, you'd accomplish your goals in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. See, we talked about the Jericho Road. We're already on the road to Emmaus. Maybe you've never realized that or not. Because as we see these men walking, or these two, may have been Cleopas and his wife. We don't know. It was just two of Jesus' disciples, not part of the original uh, 12. They were walking along this road. Jesus catches up with them. As we look at their experiences, we realize that a lot of times we're already on the Emmaus Road. Let me explain. These were people very much like us. First of all, some things had left them confused. They were very confused. They were confused about the events of their life. In verse 14, they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and, and went with them. Their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk in her sad? And the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And you have not known the things which have happened these days. They said, there's a lot of things happened. And a lot of things happened have made us sad. And a lot of things have confused us. And so the events of life had confused them and they didn't understand why things turned out. They didn't even know what had happened. But their lives have been turned upside down. We also know that they were confused by grief. How the chief priest in verse 20 and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and has crucified him. We understand that if we know how close the 12 were to Jesus, but we know that they were more than just the 12. By the day of Pentecost, there were 120 of them. We don't even know if that was all of them, but there was at least 120 and if you remember, Jesus sent out 70 more during his ministry. It was quite a, a group of people who followed Jesus and had communed with Jesus and had sat under his teachings, and now they watched as Jesus was killed very brutally. And grief had left them confused. In verse 21, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. They were confused by disappointments. Things didn't turn out like they had planned. So here's what they were hoping concerning Jesus. And the Jews had this expectation the Messiah would come as a military hero and smash Rome 
and establish Israel as a worldwide political kingdom. That was their hopes. That was their wishes. And they pinned all these wishes on Jesus. And now Jesus has been killed in all their dreams that they had dreamed about Israel were over. They were disappointed. They were confused by the actions of others. In verse 22, certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying they'd also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. You see, the actions and the words of others had left them confused. Now, the other apostles were confused as well. You remember, in one of the gospel accounts, the women came and told the apostles that Jesus was not in the tomb and that the angel had said he was alive, and they flatly said they really thought they were saying idle tales. So the words of others had confused them. The actions of others had left them confused. So the Emmaus Road, we're on that road a lot because I'm sure we've all been confused at one time or another. We don't know exactly what just happened. We don't know why things have turned out the way they've turned out. Grief gets us confused. We, we don't know why our loved one was taken the way they were taken. We're disappointed that things didn't turn out the way we had planned, the way we had hoped. And sometimes other people leave us confused. We don't know why they did what they did. So obviously, this confusion shook their faith up a bit. See, the Bible's honest about those who follow the Lord, and it gives the whole report of the good. It gives the report of their weaknesses. But did you notice a particular word in verse 19? Jesus said, what things? They said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet. Past tense. He was. You see, they had sat under the teaching of Jesus. Jesus told them explicitly what he said would happen. I will go to Jerusalem. I will be arrested. I will be crucified. What else did he say? On the third day, I'll rise again. That's what he told them. He told them that. He told them who he was. He told them what he would do. Now, when they speak of Jesus and it's the third day, they still talk about him as past tense. Jesus is an important part of our life that was an important part of our life. Now, Jesus catches up with them and ask them about these things, and he didn't scold them. He didn't scold them, but he invited them to tell him all about it. He said, what things? Did Jesus need any information that they could give him? He knew more about it than they did. I like what somebody said about prayer. Prayer is telling God what he already knows. So, so why even pray? Because God invites us to God wants us to pray. God allows us to pray. We need to pray. We need to make connection with God. And he knew that they needed to make a connection with him. He didn't need their information. He knew more about it than they did. And we'll see that in just a little bit. But he said, what things? Why don't you uh, tell me all about it? 
They told him all about it. In verse 25, he said, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets had spoken. Then he says this, Ought not the Christ who had suffered these things and entered into glory? Now that word ought not means this is the way it should have been. Isn't it? That's the same words he used when he said Christ, the Christ ought to go to Jerusalem, he ought to suffer, and he ought to be crucified, and he ought to be, be raised on it. It's the same word that he used. But notice, beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them and all scriptures the things concerning himself. This is interesting. Jesus could have done something else. He could have said, guys, take a look here. He didn't show them his scars. He showed them to the word. There's an important lesson here because while we're on the Emmaus Road, Jesus catches up with us. But we don't have the physical body of Jesus today to clear things up. So Jesus didn't show them the scars then. They, they didn't need that, and we don't need that. Because if he had just said, look at my hands and, and went on, we wouldn't have anything to see 2,000 years later. But what he did was this. Let me show you from Moses through the prophets to clear everything up. You know what I have in my hand? I've got everything from Moses through the prophets. I've got God's word to clear things up. And when Jesus really wanted them to make sense of things, he showed them into the word. Well, you know the story. In verse 28, they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. It came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. This is quite interesting. They didn't know who Jesus was. Of course, they weren't expecting to see him. Scholars say as they were going to the road of Emmaus, it goes west out of Jerusalem. They were going into the setting sun. Or maybe, of course, they didn't look over and get a good look at him. But it says their eyes were restrained. I know they were confused. They were grief-stricken. And they weren't expecting to see the face of Jesus. And he talked to them about the scriptures. They still didn't recognize him. But oh, when he prayed. It was unmistakable he was sitting at the table. And this is quite interesting. Jesus went into their house. He took the bread. He blessed it. And he gave it to him. Jesus took charge. And he'll gladly do the same in our house. He took charge. Look at that. He acted like the host. And when he took bread and blessed it, they recognized it. But now, here's something else. They recognized the importance of being with each other. And they said one to another in verse 32, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven, those who were with them, gathered together. Seven or eight miles. They went all the way back to Jerusalem. They knew where the others were gathered. They knew where that room was. 
And they knew at this time it was important to be with them. So they went all the way back to Jerusalem, and they gathered with the others on Sunday night. Was it worth it? Yes, it was worth it. First of all, their faith was strengthened by the experience of others. Soon as they found the 11 gathered together in verse 34, it says, they were telling them, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Now, they were feeling a lot better about things. They were confused. They were disappointed. Jesus had cleared their confusion, but oh, when they went back and heard that Simon had seen Jesus face to face, and when Simon shared his experience with Jesus with them, then their faith was strengthened. And then they, in turn, strengthened the others. They told about the things that happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. See, I told you this morning we would talk on Sunday night about Sunday night. This is Sunday night right here in the Scriptures. And on Sunday night, they all came together. And it was quite interesting. They shared with each other their experiences with Jesus. It's what they had in common. It's what we had in common. And then, as they met together to talk about Jesus, who showed up? Jesus shows up. It says, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. Didn't Jesus say this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name? There am I in the midst of them. Now, not as many people come on Sunday night. Some churches don't even have Sunday night services because a lot, a lot of people come. I love Sunday night services. I love Sunday night services because we all gather together, and guess who shows up when we gather together? Jesus shows up. You know, I'm not going to make Sunday night services a, a test of somebody's spirituality. You really love Jesus. You come to church on Sunday night. We're, we're beyond that. You know, through the years, the church has only had one worship service through the day for the centuries. And usually it was one worship service sometime during the day. We have two worship services. The second worship service on Sunday night is not a test of true spirituality. It's a privilege for us all to gather together. And as long as there's even two or three that are willing to gather together, we have no legitimate reason to say, not a lot of people come. What's the advantage in not having Sunday night services? What, what is the advantage? Because those of us who come, we really love it. And we love it because as we gather together at the close of a day, it's kind of a different Type meeting, and Jesus promised a very special awareness of his presence when we all gather together. Who are they talking about? Jesus. Who shows up? Jesus. And they found strength in each other. They found encouragement with each other. And they found encouragement in the very presence of Jesus Christ. That's why I prefer the Emmaus Road. Number one, we're already on it. Number two, no matter how confused we are, if you just look over your shoulder, 
Jesus is catching up to you. And he really wants to hear from you. Is there anything before we close? Anything at all? If not, we'll go ahead and have a, a business meeting at this time.